Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. It's time for NRL Round 19 specifically. Actually, the biggest round of the season so far. Some huge matchups. And given that it's Friday, I actually I re- wrote down my notes for the opening game. But that's already been. So what I'll do is I'll jump into that game, the Eels up against the Broncos, in the NRL Power podcast at the end of the weekend once all of the games have been. But for that one, I actually went the Eels, and Broncos got a huge win. So for the NRL Power podcast, I'll do a full in-depth chat on that game to make up for not covering it in this week's preview. But that was a huge game. Sixth-place Eels up against the fifth-place Brisbane Broncos. Now Brisbane, they're right in the mix for a top-four finish. Really, really exciting. Now, as for what's in store, I didn't, I'm not going to preview that game. Can't speak English as well. But I am going to get through the other seven games. So plenty to get through in this one. So many crucial fixtures and the top eight, no doubt, set for a huge shakeup after round 19. Okay, now since, as I mentioned, I'm not going to preview that Thursday night game, just trying to work out my days at the moment. Uh, not not great signs two minutes into the podcast. But what I am going to get into is the early Friday game taking place in about four hours as of the time of recording, about 2pm Friday now. This one, 6pm at Jubilee Stadium. A massive fixture in its own right. You have the 11th placed Dragons holding on to any hope that they can maybe get into the final series but it largely has been what we've seen before in different forms as the St. George Illawarra Dragons, once again, a late season fade out. They're gonna look to turn the ship around 11th place Dragons up against the eighth place Manly Seagulls. This is the Dragons chance to make a statement. They did have a chance last weekend against the Roosters and they had over 50 points put on them. That's what kind of led me to have the Dragons as my round 18 cause for concern last weekend. I know they're still in the finals mix. There are sides below them. But from all the sides in the finals mix, there are the most alarm bells, I guess you could say, around the Dragons. And then you have Manly, who they finally managed to shake that flat track bully tag up against the Melbourne Storm. Then they had the bye and came out and smashed the Knights in their last game. Now the Seagulls have wins in four of their past five games, and we've slowly seen them kind of have to change and evolve their style. Given that their most valuable player, Tom Trebojevic, obviously we thought out for the season, there has been some chatter that he could be fit week two or three of the finals, which is a huge gamble. We don't even know where the Seagulls are gonna be at that point of the season, and if they're still gonna be playing. But ultimately, the Seagulls, they've worked around the injuries and they've had their depth tested. We've seen some young guys come in and have to grow at first grade level. But overall, Seagulls, they're starting to gel. I know that only one win over a top eight side isn't super impressive. And the Dragons are a real danger game here for them. I think the best thing I want to see from the Seagulls is just a consistent win. It doesn't have to be a big one just ultimately if they can get the two points here they basically rule the dragons out of contention and once again they continue to firm four of place in the finals exciting times for the manly seagulls fans not so much for the dragons but this game is crucial they will have the home ground advantage as well so you better believe the dragons fans they are going to be there very vocal cheering their team on and there's only seven games to go until the final series kicks off. Ladder positions, it looks like it's about to turn on its head 
We've already seen the Broncos beat the Eels. That's the first major statement. And as I mentioned in a couple of podcasts recently, this is the final third of the season. This is business time. Certain sides have come for business. And for the Dragons, I mentioned that potentially they have taken annual leave. They look like they're already checked out. So I think ultimately this is going to be a really big test for both sides. And I cannot wait to tune in for this one. Now, looking at their run home for the Dragons, they have to play Manly, Cowboys, Sharks, and Raiders. So I know there's been criticism over Anthony Griffin, the coach of the Dragons, but yeah, I think you've got to give him a chance here. Let's see what he can do against these really high quality sides. And then if it epically fails, then I think it's fair to critique, but let's at least give him a chance and let the season play out fully before we all start riding for this guy to get fired and just for the dragons, you know? It's like one step forward, two steps backwards most of the time. So dragons play Manly tonight, Cowboys, Sharks, Raiders, and in rounds 23 and 24, they play the Titans and Tigers, but that's after a month of really high level opponents. So for the Dragons, if they've already kind of lost and they're out of contention, then by the time the Titans and Tigers games roll around, it's not going to have a great deal of relevancy to the top eight. Then in the last game of the season, the Dragons are going to be playing the Brisbane Broncos. It's, it's a tough draw. I think out of all the sides still in the finals mix, Dragons, absolutely, undeniably, they are the least likely with all respect to them. Like, I hope they can make finals for their sake. I don't have anything against them. I actually like the Dragons as a team. But when you look at what we've seen so far in this season and just everything that we know collectively, it definitely seems like the Dragons least likely to play finals football this year. As for the Manly Seagulls, only one win up against top eight opposition all of 2022. Pretty shocking record, but they did beat the Storm last time out. Now, checking into that, five of their seven games, just like the Dragons, are going to be up against sides in that top eight mix. For the Manly Seagulls, their run home includes the Dragons tonight, the Roosters at home, the Eels at home, Titans away, Sharks at home, Raiders away, Bulldogs away. So ultimately, like Manly, I think, are in a way better position. They are already in the top eight. They have two points separating them from the sides below them as well. So another win here, especially over the Dragons, it's like a four-point game. You effectively rule the Dragons out from taking your spot in the eight, and you continue to solidify your position. This is what the Seagulls are all about as well, backs to the wall kind of stuff. They're peaking at the right time, and Des Hasler is a specialist of it. He has his manly Seagulls riding under the... Riding? Fucking hell. Flying under the radar, big time. Checking out the team changes. Moses Suley, very untimely injury for the Dragons center. He's out. That sees Moses Embai come into the starting side in the centers. He had seven missed tackles up against the Chooks last weekend. So yeah, I, I don't know. Not huge on that, but Moses Embai, he is experienced. And that opens up a spot on the bench for Jaden Sullivan, who I do want to see more of at NRL level. As for the Seagulls, I saw they had another out through COVID, but I didn't check, my bad. Sorry, pardon me for that one. But one of the big outs, Jake Trebojevic, He's out, so that is a massive loss for Manly. That brings Dragons in with a huge chance of getting the upset victory in this one. And that's change with Jake Trebojevic out. Sees Toa Fofoa Sipley start, and Taniela Paseca joins the bench. It's also going to be Martin Tapaus or Marty Tapaus' 150th game for the Manly Seagulls. So he's been a great clubman for a while, started at the Bulldogs, then spent some time at the Tigers. This could potentially be his last season at the Manly Seagulls as well, so he's going to be pumped for this one. His teammates are definitely going to be pumped, and hopefully that can offset what is a huge loss in Jake Trebojevic, and of course already Tom Trebojevic. 
Do we see Ben Trebojevic come in? Potentially. I think maybe that's one of the changes, but we'll leave that as a mystery one, uh, what the final teams are. We'll see them in a couple of hours anyway. Now, onto a couple of the matchups. My key battle in this one, two Queensland heroes. You could call them legends, or maybe. Uh, I will. You don't have to. You don't have to agree with me. Two Queensland legends. Ben Hunt, the captain of the Dragons, and Daily Cherry Evans, the captain of the Queensland Maroons and Seagulls, both halfbacks, both experienced, grand final experience with Daily Cherry Evans having won a grand final. Ben Hunt, well, he redeemed his grand final loss and unfortunate moment with the winning try in State of Origin this year. So both of them are clutch. Both of them, without them, their team, they aren't really the same kind of team in respects to the outfits. Like Ben Hunt is the biggest loss. He is the most valuable player for the Dragons. And with that, like they need him. They need him. Without him, they, I just, I don't know. I can't really articulate it that well in terms of this uh, um, example, but Ben Hunt just adds so much. Not only is he the captain, but he organizes all the plays, does all the kicking. And a lot of the time, like, I know they talked last year with Matt Dufty and why were they letting him go because of how much attack he possessed and how many points he could put on the board. But I think Ben Hunt in attack, he is really underrated. As for Daily Cherry Evans, well, he is leading this manly side through what's been a tough season at times, but now they're in the finals mix and they're starting to get better by the week. So Ben Hunt, Daily Cherry Evans, that is my key battle in this one. The most valuable player overall, Tom Trebojevic. So he's been out for a while. My point of difference, so we don't have the MVP playing here for the Seagulls, but they do have a point of difference. That man is Ruben Garrick, who is definitely starting to warm to that role as a fullback. It's taken him some time to adjust. Same as the Seagulls side as a whole to learn their combinations. They relied so heavily on Tom Trebojevic who won the Deli M last year by a landslide. So how could you not? Now they're working out ways where they can rely on Ruben Garrick. He's shouldering more of the load than he did out on the wing. And he's figuring out how to play a fullback style that is his own. He's obviously never going to be a Tom Trebojevic, but he's turning out to be an incredible fullback. So Ruben Garrick, he is my point of difference in this one. And I am very intrigued to see how this contest plays out. Only a few hours away from kickoff though, a few more games to get into in this podcast, so I'll jump into my prediction. Early Friday night, I have gone the Manly Seagulls over the Dragons, although I, I think I'm going to stay away from this one on the punt because Dragons definitely a danger matchup. They are no doubt going to be hungry for the win. Seagulls, I think it's going to be an understated loss, no Jake Trebojevic. I do think that'll be a big loss defensively through the middle. But ultimately, Manly Seagulls are just going from what I've seen this year and how they're starting to gel and how the Dragons, they're fading and starting to fall apart. Very intrigued, but I'm going to go with the safer option, taking the Manly Seagulls over the Dragons, leading us in to our Friday Night Clash. Friday night, Donald Jones Stadium, the 13th place Knights. Don't know why I sounded so excited for this one, um, but 13th place Knights up against the 9th place Roosters. Going to be a very fiery atmosphere, given that Knights, they're no doubt going to be coming for the win in this one. They do have the home crowd. Roosters are one of those sides everyone wants to beat. And I feel given, you know, history, the Knights, they are going to really want to end the Roosters season here. Can't speak English again. My apologies. Now, this is must win for the Roosters. It's non-negotiable. Like, they cannot drop this game to the Knights. The Seagulls, who are just above them, they thrashed the Knights last weekend. So, realistically, like, Roosters, it doesn't have to be a 13-plus scoreline. They just have to win. They have to win, I'd say, somewhat convincingly. And I'm, I'm interested to see what the Roosters start to do now, given that Luke Carey returns to the side. 
You've got Joey Manu shifting out to the centers, although that is very timely, given that they've just had two major injuries, one of them being to Billy Smith, who it's so unfortunate. He just seems to continue to get injured every time this young kid finally gets the chance to be that starting center. He goes down and he gets hurt. That happened before they even got Josh Morris a few years ago from the Sharks. They were wanting Billy Smith to be that starting center, but overall this year, the center position, other than Joey Manu, it hasn't really been a lock. We've seen Kevin Nakanguama come in, Paul Momorowski has played the majority of the season in the centers, Billy Smith at times, and now, yeah, I think Joey Manu, it's kind of timely. Obviously, there's a big debate he should be playing fullback or 5'8 somewhere, or the Roosters. But right now, they do need him in the centres, so it's a timely one. We also know that Satili Tuponiua, he's out for the season. That is a massive loss. Really, really unfortunate for a talented young kid. And that sees Nat Butcher come into the starting side in the second row. Now, the Roosters absolutely tore the Dragons apart last start. But overall, the Roosters... Losses in four of their past five games, which is the exact record of the Newcastle Knights. So the positioning on the ladder and the general vibe around these teams, definitely different. But in terms of recent form, both with losses in four of their past five games, neither with great form to write home about. Let's not forget as well, last time they met, it was round one this year. One of the big upsets of the seasons Seasons? Uh, just this one. Knights getting it done 20-16 to 16 over the Roosters. I was away for a festival, and I remember because that game was before my side, the Warriors, so I went all like four days of the festival, had a great time, did not spoil the result, which was a Warriors loss. Really, really shit way to come home from the festival, unfortunately. Um, but I saw before that, I was like just seeing the Knights shaking hands, and they looked happy. I was like, what? What's going on here? So yeah, Knights getting it done in round one this year. They'll be looking for a similar upset here in front of their home fans. So definitely a fun game. Friday night, so it's tonight as well. Cannot wait to tune into the fixtures. And the Roosters, they are one win outside the top eight. Now they've got to put it together. They can't make excuses. It's business time. It is the final third of the season. And Trent Robinson... If anyone's going to get the Roosters going, we do know it's going to be Trent Robinson. He has the history behind him. And we saw last year how this side played for him when they were struck with injury more than any other side in the competition. We know the Roosters are a classy outfit. I'm expecting such in this Friday night fixture. For the Knights, they've lost Anthony Milford to the Dolphins. There was a bit of a contractual thing where the Knights going to get him or with the Dolphins. Milford, he's going to go home to Brisbane and play under Wayne Bennett at the Dolphins. Unfortunate for the Knights, it doesn't really give them a clear picture of their long-term halves. We thought Jake Clifford, I thought he was going to be the long-term half, but he's toiling away in reserve grade. They've got Adam Clune and they've got Anthony Milford, who's now leaving the club next year. So, yeah. That's a bit of news for the Newcastle Knights. Interesting to see what they do. I think Luke Brooks. I genuinely think they're going to make a play for Luke Brooks based on zero evidence. Um, yeah, Luke Brooks to the Knights. Watch this space. Now, we see Joey Manu with Luke Keary coming back. That is a major talking point. He plays 5'8". Joey Manu shifts to the centres. As I mentioned though, I think that's offset by the fact that the Roosters really need some strike in the centers. And after the last couple of months, it's and years realistically, I think now the Roosters, they are gonna give a little bit of extra ball the way of Joey Manu. I think he should be roving. He should be getting as much ball as possible and work it into the structures because when he was playing 5'8", Roosters looked immensely better, immensely better. And now he's out in the centers. Luke Carey, though, he has a proven track record. The main thing, there's that kind of talk around combinations and that Sam Walker seems to play better alongside Joey Manu in the halves. Whereas Luke Carey and Sam Walker, they haven't been clicking as well. 
as a halves combination. So we'll wait and see how all of this plays out, not just for the rest of this season, but potentially next as well. With Joey Manu's rise, I mean, he's been rising for years, but the Roosters' decision to play him as a 5'8", has seen Lachlan Lamb leave the club or rumoured to be leaving the club immediately. Really talented young half. He's going to join his dad over at the Lee Centurions, son of Adrian Lamb. They're looking to get back into the Super League next season, I believe. I don't think they're in the Super League at the moment. No, they're not because Blake Ferguson's over there fucking tearing it up. That's right. Um, But yeah, Lachlan Lamb, he has left the Roosters... And that's going to be interesting. I actually think Lee Centurions, they could start to build something. Lachlan Lamb, I do think we'll see him back in the NRL. But Roosters are a pretty tricky team to crack, given that you've got Joey Manu as your competition, alongside Luke Carey and Sam Walker. Now, given that it is business time, you've got Trent Robinson up against Adam O'Brien, who did spend a brief stint and a premiership winning stint, as a Roosters assistant coach under Trent Robinson. So these guys know each other's games well, they know how they like to coach, and both have evolved since then. For the Roosters, their run is going to include the Knights starting tonight, then next week they're going to play Manly away from home, which that's the big one. And Roosters, they can't look past the Knights here for the reasons I've already mentioned. It's a danger game in itself, If they lose this, then all of a sudden the game against Manly next weekend isn't as significant. But if the Roosters do get past the Knights tonight, then they have Seagulls next weekend. That would be massive. Seagulls would only be assuming both of them win on my tips. Then the Seagulls would be two points ahead of the Roosters. So that would be huge. And even bigger if the Dragons were to beat the Seagulls and then Roosters beat the Knights, then they would be on equal points. So that is a massive start. They have to get past the Knights here because they have Manly next, followed by the Broncos and Cowboys, both at home. But that is a really tough ask. Those next three games after this one for the Roosters, it, it's very possible, very much possible, that we see the Roosters miss the eight. And they could have a great run. I'm really not sure. That's what I love about this season so far. And why I'm really keen to see how the next seven rounds play out. Roosters got Knights, Manly, Broncos, Cowboys. Then they play the Tigers, Storm in Melbourne, and the Rabbitohs in round 25. Wow. Well, fuck. I can definitely see them missing the eight, but I can see them getting a win in most of those games as well. That, that's that's going to be one hell of a run for the Roosters. Tough draw, but if they can navigate that, then they'll definitely be setting themselves really nicely going into the final series. They've got Joey Manu humming. James Tedesco would be burning from the origin result. Luke Keary, he wants another premiership. And for Sam Walker, he would love his first. Very interesting times at the Sydney Roosters. As far as my prediction for this one, I'm going to take the Roosters. That, again, it seems like a pretty safe bet. I don't know if Knights can beat them twice in a season, although it is a danger game. Ultimately, though, this is one of the easier games other than the Tigers for the Sydney Roosters, so they have to win this one. And if they don't, then... Yeah, that's on them, but I'm going to be picking the Roosters, taking Sydney Roosters over the Newcastle Knights. Now let's get amongst the Super Saturday action. Super Saturday, we've got my two teams, the 10th place Raiders up against my main side, the 12th placed Warriors, a dastardly position once again. But nonetheless, this is a hugely important game for the home side, the Raiders, and the Warriors do have a knack for being able to beat Canberra. We did see that last time they met. It went to Golden Point 21-20 with Sean Johnson stepping up. One of the few times, unfortunately, this season to kick a field goal and get the victory. 
Last weekend, though, Warriors not as good. They were outclassed up against the Eels. And one win from the Warriors last nice, nice, not nice, shite, better, better description. One win from the Warriors' last nine games. Fuck my life. Like, if there was any year for me to, like, cry, chronologic, not chronologically, so I don't know the word where you freeze yourself. If someone knows the word, hit me up. I don't want to butcher it anymore but yeah this if there was a year to freeze myself and be like yeah I'm, i'll come back in 2023 this was the year I, I realistically could have missed those last 10 games and the season as a whole the only win for the warriors was at mount smart stadium up against the tigers so we had to win that one if we lost that one then it would be doomsday now the last australian win the warriors had was up against the raiders so that is an interesting note but Raiders, much more confidence, a far better side in much better form as well, coming off their best win of the season up against the Storm in Melbourne, one of the toughest road trips you can possibly have in the competition. And James Schiller stepping up with the match winner. He was my round 18 Rising Star nomination. For the Raiders, it's been an interesting season. Jared Croker, everything surrounding Jared Croker. They didn't have Jamal Fogarty for the first four months. They were tinkering around with their dummy half situation. Zach Wolford's made a massive difference, I must say. But no Josh Hodgson. He injured himself off to the Eels next year. And you had, yeah, like they had Matt Frawley. They had Adam Elliott try it out. And they just couldn't get that nailed down. They didn't have a first-choice halfback. No Jared Croker. No Josh Hodgson. But they do have exciting young talent. So we've seen that come to the fore. It's been somewhat of a transition period for the side from the nation's capital. But now they're starting to hit their straps. That was a statement victory up against the Storm. And we see that Ricky Stewart has signed with the Raiders. Re-signed to coach them until the end of 2025. That's when I think a lot of these young guys are going to be hitting the peak of their powers. So Ricky Stewart, I'm a massive Ricky Stewart fan. Very happy with that news. And for the Warriors, well, they've got a new coach on the way next year in Andrew Webster. Checking out some of the talking points in this one. Reese Walsh being benched. That's definitely the biggest one. Chanel Harris-DeVita, he starts at fullback. Um, yeah, that's interesting logic, but I don't mind it. Reese Walsh, he does contribute to a lot of our points. And Chanel Harris-Tavita is also leaving next year, so it doesn't make the most sense from the outside looking in. But I, whatever. Like, fuck it, whatever. We're 12th. Reese Walsh is still playing. We haven't totally demoted him. We can use him somewhere in there. And yeah, I'm, I'm in fuck it mode. I don't really care. Um, Reese, if, if another club tries to get him, like, fine. Like, we can release him. And that's not, that's not salty. That's just like, he's way too good to be playing in reserve grade. And if, if we don't really have a place for him, and it doesn't really matter, our season's already fucking fucked. Sorry. Sorry for the F-bombs. Um, but it is. So, yeah, it doesn't really matter if we let him go to, say, a Melbourne Storm or we let him go to the Broncos early. Either option would be very interesting and probably better for his development. So, Reese Walsh benched, Chanel Harris-Tavita starts at fullback and Dejan Arce, who absolutely ripped it up in the Queensland Cup on the weekend, he's been named at 5'8". I'm interested. Hopefully we can keep him, but I do think with Metcalf coming to the club... Dejan Arce will be way better for this experience. And I think he'll go back to the Cowboys where Ben Hampton, he's been that like next man up for 5'8 coverage when Tom Dearden's been out with origin duties. But yeah, I think Cowboys, they'll definitely bring Dejan Arce back. And I think he'll be that next man up uh, next year with Chad Townsend, Tom Dearden, and Dejan Arce, who I'm sure he'll, he'll be saying to his manager, I know he grew up as a Warriors fan, but he's probably saying to his manager, yeah, yeah, I'm going back to the Cowboys. Make sure that happens. Don't, don't, fucking no fuckery. Sorry for the, all the F-bombs, but yeah, my team, the Warriors, they, they have a knack for getting the F-bombs out of me. For the Warriors, though, I'm excited. Next year, new coach, some fun signings, Mitch Barnett, Wooshka, like, like a bit of aggression, Dylan Walker, 
Um, look, allegedly, I don't know, there were court proceedings and some aggression of a kind that I have no toleration for. Um, but playing-wise, that'll be awesome. We do need a center, and he can cover a lot of positions. Murata Niakore, similar, not in the court shit, but, um, yeah, in coverage of positions. But, yeah, Warriors 2023, that doesn't need to be talked about now. That's just my general vibe. But for the Raiders, it's all about 2022. They've got a really healthy run home as well, and they're only one win outside of the top eight. Both of my teams, Warriors and Raiders, usually, like, Warriors are always my favorite team. But if it comes down to something like this, where Warriors season's already over, and Raiders are giving me more value and actually playing finals-worthy football, then, yeah, it's hard. I want the Warriors to win, but I'm also going to be cheering for the Raiders. I hope the Raiders win, because at least then one of my sides that I support will go through to the finals. So, yeah. And the history, I don't get into it every podcast, but my dad's from Canberra, so always grew up watching Raiders games, but I'm from New Zealand, so I'm a Warriors fan, unfortunately and naturally. Now, getting into the team news, Jordan Rapiner suspended for two games. That is a big out for the Raiders. Nick Kotrich returns to the side, though, so that offsets the loss of Rapiner. Different players, but it's definitely a good boost to get Nick Kotrich back. We see James Schiller, he hurt himself, but that that opens the door for Albert Hopawate, who played off the bench last weekend in his Canberra Raiders debut. And I, I really rate Albert Hopawati. I'm surprised, like, I'd actually like the Warriors to pick him up, to be honest. But this this is a kid definitely one to watch. He's on my one to watch list. Albert Hopawati getting amongst it in his first start for the Raiders. We also see Elliot Whitehead returns to the side, the captain. So Chanel Harris-DeVita, no, not Chanel Harris-DeVita, Corey Harawera-Naira. Sorry, fellas, both big fan of both players, but yeah, the hyphenated names. Uh, just a lot of names jumbling up. Corey Harawera-Naira, he goes back to the bench. Chanel playing for the other team, of course. Now, for the Warriors, of course, we see Walsh on the bench, Chanel Harris-Tavita, my man, he starts at fullback. We see Dejan Arce start at 5'8", Ronald Volkman going to play in Queensland Cup again, which I found interesting, but like I said, I'm in a bit of like a whatever mood for the rest of the season, Warriors-wise, and I'll be back on board fully to get amongst Ronald Volkman Next year, once we're playing for points that actually matter again. So I don't mind that he's in Queensland Cup, growing in confidence rather than playing in a Warriors side right now, lacking a lot of confidence. We also see Dallin Wateni as a Lesniak, comes back in for Edward Kosey, who I thought had a much better game when he returned to the NRL, so good on you, Edward. And good to see Dallin back for the Warriors. For the Raiders, this isn't absolute must win the Warriors are tricky for them but similar to like the Knights and Roosters Knights just that they're out of it and same as Warriors so if the Raiders are serious which they absolutely are it's business time they've got to put away a side like the Warriors given what the New Zealand side have dished up and as a fan I've been optimistic as always I know it doesn't sound like it but I had medium hopes not high hopes for the season but like yeah it's been flat it's been flat and now I just can't I can't make a case like yeah they can surprise teams they could surprise the Raiders but I just yeah they they don't have a case for mine unfortunately given what we've seen this season and the Raiders they're firing I'm really liking the centers Seb Chris and Matt Tomoko and overall Yeah, I think the Raiders, they're just starting to hum. It's the right part of the season. They've got a lot to play for. Whereas the Warriors, we're seeing Reese Walsh on the bench. All all sorts of shenanigans. Not that it's a bad thing, but there's just... I think the Raiders are going to have their heads on a lot more. And it's in Canberra. It's going to be a tough game for the Warriors, who have been based in Redcliffe for the longest time. Really nice weather conditions. They've probably acclimatized to that. Go back to New Zealand where colder, 
but nothing like the Canberra cold. So I do think as well, Warriors, after what's been a torrid season and couple of years for them, the Canberra road trip isn't going to be a fun one, maybe unless they go to Mooseheads after or something like that. But yeah, I don't think it's going to be the funnest road trip. The Canberra fans are going to have their voices heard, no doubt. And Ricky Stewart, I have full faith in Ricky. So yeah, I'm going to go the Canberra Raiders in this one. Keen to see how it plays out. No matter what, I'll be happy because one of these sides are going to win. And if the Warriors win, that'll be awesome because they're my main team. But it won't. It's All it's going to do is just mean that I won't have any sides that I support in the top eight. So I'm going with the Raiders in this one. And mixed feelings as to who I actually want to win. But Canberra Raiders, that seems like the clear-cut one. Really keen to see how their run home goes. Taking the Raiders over the Warriors. Now let's move on to our game of the round. Round 19's game to watch. It is the Panthers in first place, hosting the third-placed Cronulla Sharks. Potentially the side in the competition best poised to defeat the Panthers. Really interesting matchup. Panthers in first place, hosting the Cronulla Sharks. to be one hell of a game Saturday night. You've got the Panthers, and let's not forget, they're getting their New South Wales representatives back who will be seething after the Origin Decider. We've seen Queensland's game plan of how they've handled that largely Panthers-orientated blue setup. Sharks, they can see a path. They can now understand and see visually that these Panthers guys are beatable. So that is a massive edge. Craig Fitzgibbon, no doubt the right coach to have the Sharks up for this one as well. This is the game of the round. Fitzgibbon, let's not forget as well, he has inside knowledge on these Blues players from the Penrith Panthers, not just the Sharks. They only had Talakai and like Hines was in the extended squad. But Craig Fitzgibbon, I believe he was still part of the series this year. But if he wasn't, he was in the last couple of years. So he has an intimate knowledge on Nathan Cleary, Jerome Luai, Brian Toto. I'm sure like Stephen Crichton, he'd know a fair bit about him. Liam Martin, Isaiah Yo, Api Korosau. So Craig Fitzgibbon has inside knowledge to work with. He has his own idea and his own strategies as to how he can take this juggernaut down. Craig Fitzgibbon, though, going to be stiff competition up against the Panthers. Every time, you know, I'm still really excited for finals. I'm always optimistic. It's not done until it's done. So everyone I speak to, it's like, yep, it's Panthers. And I feel that way too, but I'm optimistic. I'm keen to see how this all plays out. I, I don't want to start calling premiers right now. I want to see it play out. For the Sharks, Sione Katoa is a massive loss. He's out for the season. So Connor Tracy, he comes onto the wing. Different qualities, but I, I still think Connor Tracy, he is an absolute first grader. Now for the Panthers, their record, I tallied it up, up until this point from 2020, 21 and 2022, their record is 55 wins, one draw and five losses. They also had a grand final loss and they had a loss up against the Rabbitohs. So they've had seven losses in three years. Wild, absolutely wild. So this one, it does seem kind of clear cut. It's hard to preview Panthers games because most of the time they are super clear cut. But this one I'm probably most excited for than I have been for a Panthers game in a long time. This one actually seems like it could be a fair shake. And we have the Sharks, who they're on five consecutive wins. They have back-to-back -back wins over top four opponents in the Cowboys, which was in Townsville. And I know that the Cowboys were undermanned, but Sharks still showed plenty in that game. And now, after beating the Storm, after beating the Cowboys, they now played the benchmark of this competition. I'm really hyped for this one. Panthers coming off that win against the Tigers. Panthers undermanned themselves, but 
one of their elite players, James Fisher-Harris, getting them over the line. And we saw Penrith's fantastic depth on display. That was eight straight wins for the Panthers, only seven losses in the last three years. But I feel like a Cronulla Sharks, I feel like a statement performance is incoming. And that's not to say I'm gonna go the Sharks in this one, but I think the Sharks have a real chance of at least making this a real grinding game. Similar to what we used to know the Sharks as, a team that would make it low scoring, just a really tight affair, really physical. And Sharks, they have an attacking edge themselves. They have guys like Jesse Ramian, Sifa Talakai, Ronaldo Militalo, Nico Hines. You've got Toby Rudolph in the Ford pack. And my point of difference, the leadership additions that the Sharks have brought in this year that have totally transformed them from a side just lingering around that bottom part of the eight and they didn't even qualify last year to being a genuine force. You've got Nico Hines signed as the marquee player. He's absolutely delivering his value for money. You've got Dale Finucane. He was brought over for exactly that, his leadership qualities and great value for money. He's doing a fantastic job. Jobs? Well, I guess he is doing more than one. Cameron McInnes, he is another leader that's been brought in. And Craig Fitzgibbon. So that's a massive point of difference. This is a totally new Sharks team and one that I think is actually positioned to really challenge the Panthers in this one. For Penrith, they get seven of their Origin stars back, all seven of them back on deck. And uh, this is probably the hardest time to play the Panthers. So that, that's what makes this an intriguing one. I still cannot wait to watch it. For the Sharks, Sifa Talakai returns, Tracy onto the wing for Katoa, and Britton Nakora returns to the starting side with Teague Wilton reverting to the bench. As far as my most valuable player, for the Sharks, that's Nico Hines. As I said, he is their marquee player. He's the guy who stands up and delivers. And I, I genuinely think the Sharks can trouble the Panthers here. And if they do, Nico Hines is going to be at the forefront of it. Key battle in this one, Nico Hines up against Nathan Cleary. As I said though, very hard to uh, preview Panthers games, given that most of the time we know which way it's going. In this one, I'm hoping the Sharks can do as well as I've said I think they're going to go, but ultimately how can I go against Penrith? So I'm taking the Penrith Panthers over the Cronulla Sharks, round 19's game of the round, cannot wait, Panthers over Sharks, and I'll actually be doing an escape room, going to an escape room with a couple of mates. So yeah, I'll be doing that a bit earlier on the Saturday. Will I escape in time? If you don't hear a podcast from me in the days following Saturday, please send help. Um, but I'm really hoping that'll be motivation to escape, given that it's game of the round. Um, so yeah, motivation to escape achieved. Now it's time to achieve the Saturday night game, which much like many of the fixtures in round 19, major implications on the finals mix-up. Alright, time to jump into the Saturday night game now. We've got the 7th placed Rabbitohs hosting the 4th placed Melbourne Storm, who are still positioned well on the ladder, but they're sliding a little bit. Three straight losses for the first time since 2015 for the Storm, whilst for the Rabbitohs, Latrell Mitchell's return has been a major boost. They now look a lot closer to the side that they were last year, albeit that Adam Reynolds, Wayne Bennett not there, but Latrell Mitchell, he has been a major game changer. Rabbitohs starting to find some consistency at the right time of the year, and the ever-consistent Melbourne Storm, well, they're battling in that area for the first time in quite a while. So Rabbitohs hosting Storm, it is going to be an epic contest. And there are major implications for not just the top eight here, but actually the top four race as well. Given that Melbourne Storm only just holding on to their spot, we saw the fifth place Broncos win last night. And we've seen a few other things, or we will see a few other things throughout the weekend. So look, it's going to be really really interesting as to who can get it done the Rabbitohs definitely starting to get going but their defense i don't think is up to scratch 
It's overshadowed, as always, by the fact that they score so many points. But the Rabbitohs have the most errors in the competition. And they also defensively, like, they've put points on the Knights. I believe it was Knights they played last weekend. Um, and, oh, maybe that was Manly, actually. Who the fuck? When did... Oh, Rabbitohs played Bulldogs. That's right. And then they played Knights before that. And they won and they scored a lot of points. But they also had a lot of points scored against them. So they conceded a fair bit of points considering they were playing the Bulldogs and the Knights. It just depends. Like, Storm have been hit so hard by injury and they still do have strike. But in this instance, it is going to be a really interesting battle between the Rabbitohs' defence and what the Storm can come up with offensively. Now, Latrell Mitchell, he is the MVP for the Rabbitohs. There is no doubt about that. And his return has really unlocked the form of Cody Walker, who is also um, pretty much the most valuable player alongside Latrell. So now that Latrell's back, that allows the likes of Damian Cook and Cody Walker to do their thing. And in my opinion, the point of difference in this game, Rabbitohs, a lot closer to full strength. Minus Campbell Graham, they're pretty much like they've got all their guys. So for the Storm... That is not the case. I'll run through their list of outs in a moment. But Rabbitohs, that is a major point of difference here. I think it's a danger game for the Storm. They could be in danger of losing four straight. For the Rabbitohs, I think they would sense that if there is ever a time that you can beat the Melbourne Storm, now is that time. Rabbitohs are a lot closer to full strength. So very interested in that. And very intrigued by the key battle in this one. That is Cody Walker up against Cameron Munster. Both of them usually have a huge say in the outcome of the result. And I think in this one, it's going to be the same. I'm expecting Jerome Hughes and Cameron Munster to stand up big time, given that Pappenhausen now out for the season. And for the Rabbitohs, Cody Walker, he's got that young rookie halfback alongside him, Lachlan Ilias, who's still finding his feet at first grade level. Um, But I'm interested in that, how the halves battle goes. Cody Walker, he has a young rookie half to work with. Whereas Cameron Munster has one of the best sevens in the game, a premiership winner, and the New Zealand Kiwis halfback in Jerome Hughes. So the halves and Cody Walker versus Cameron Munster specifically is my key battle for this epic clash. It's a very interesting time as of late for the Storm. Three losses for the first time since 2015, losing to the Seagulls, the only top eight side that have lost to the Seagulls this year, mind you. The Cronulla Sharks, who... The Cronulla Sharks, that was without Nico Hines as well, and they won convincingly. And then the Canberra Raiders, they went to Melbourne, and oh, that that was the most surprising of the lot, no doubt. I was flabbergasted, I guess you could say. But Storm, three straight losses. For the Rabbitohs, three consecutive victories. Really interesting, this matchup. Obviously, for the Storm... They have a massive list of outs. This is their list, including suspension, but mainly injury. So Tepai Moyaroa, he's been out for a little while. He was playing off the bench and was one of the few guys within their depth of forwards that had played NRL, like outside of the main 17, and had NRL experience. He's also got super rugby experience. So Tepai Moyaroa, he was a big out. Brandon Smith, the referee descent thing, There is another really crucial out there. You've got Xavier Coates, winger for Queensland. Was a major signing for the Storm this year as well. Xavier Coates still out. Then you look at who they've got out for the season. Trent Loyero, he is an emerging young star, but he's been ruled out indefinitely. So it'll be interesting to see if we do see him again this year. Then you've got George Jennings. He went down in the first game of the year. He was a first choice winger, like round one. They had pretty healthy wingers, and they decided to go with George Jennings. So he was a first-choice winger. He was a first-choice winger last year as well, or thereabouts. And George Jennings, he's been out for the entire season. The Storm's backline particularly, definitely being tested. Then you've got Ryan Pappenhausen. Absolutely devastating. I don't think I've had more fun watching a player um, than Ryan Pappenhausen this year in terms of when he's actually playing. Uh, just, yeah, such a massive fan. So that sucks, but he seems to have his head screwed on. I do think, 
Yeah, it's hard because he's a smaller guy and it, it is a, lo- a long road back. But Ryan Pappenhausen, I think if anyone strikes me as a guy who is going to get back and play even better eventually once he's warmed back into it, that is Ryan Pappenhausen. Major loss for the Melbourne Storm as well. Talks that potentially they're going to see if they can get Reese Walsh. And that is very attainable. I spoke about that before in the Warriors preview. That, that could be on. That could definitely be what goes down. I think Nick Meany can play there. But I've also found that when Cameron Munster is out, the Melbourne Storm, with the greatest respect to the guys who've stepped in, in Cooper Johns, Jaden Nicarima, and even Nick Meany at times, um, I, I think 5'8", their depth there is lacking as well. So Reese Walsh would actually be the perfect short-term fix, given that, yes, he can cover fullback, but so can Nick Meany. So if Cameron Munster goes down, you could actually propel Reese Walsh into the 5'8 jersey and push Nick Meany to the fullback role. And I think that could work out as well. Reese Walsh, he, when, if, when he's been playing in the halves for the Warriors, although mainly at fullback, he, he looks really good. So I know it'd be kind of tricky for them to get him to learn all their systems in such a short amount of time. But Reese Walsh to the Melbourne Storm, that actually makes a ton of sense. And as a Warriors fan, like, yeah, I, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Warriors, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter because we're not going to play finals, so fuck it. Uh, and also, yeah, Reese Walsh, probably good for his development. But Pappenhausen out for the season. George Jennings out for the season. Remus Smith, first-choice center, Kiwi International, out for the season. You had Christian Welch, the co-captain, going to be stepping up into the captaincy role next year as well with Jesse Bromwich leaving. That, that's the biggest out, I think, up until Pappenhausen. He was out since round one. And we've seen traditionally the Storm and Queensland at times don't perform as well without Christian Welsh. So, yeah, he's one of my favorite players in the game, actually. Really big fan of Christian Welsh. And, yeah, like, the outs for the Storm have been monumental. And they're not making excuses. They're still trying to go about their business. But I do think all this chat of, like, are there chinks in the armor? Are the storm about to like fall apart? It's like, yeah, there's chinks in the armor, injuries. Injuries to these guys. And yeah, they're kind of just resetting the group underneath. There's a lot of new faces this year. Bronson Garlic, who hasn't played first grade yet. Uh, You've got Tyron Wishart. They brought over Will Warbrick from the Rugby Sevens. Uh, You had Grant Anderson, who's a Newcastle boy, was playing for the Sunshine Coast Falcons. So yeah, really interesting. We're just seeing, I think, the Storm, they've just been through such a long dominant era based around some really elite players. And in that time, it kind of overlapped where Cameron Munster and some of the guys that are the elite players of the Storm now, they had the chance to play with the likes of Cam Smith, Cooper Cronk, Billy Slater, even Jesse Bromwich, who is a very highly credentialed prop. And now I think they're slowly setting themselves for the likes of Munster, Harry Grant, Jerome Hughes to lead them forward. And so, yeah, very interesting. And Ryan Pappenhausen, of course. So I think ultimately, even if the Dolphins do end up pinching maybe a Cameron Munster, they've still got Jonah Pizzette on their books, who had four try assists for the New South Wales Blues under-19 side this year. So, yeah, I, I think Storm... It's been, a, it's been a tough season, but I think they're in the process of resetting, recalibrating, trying to work out, you know, they've lost Felice Kafusi, Jesse Bromwich, and Kenny Bromwich to the Dolphins next year. They're slowly working out who's coming in. Potentially Nathan Brown has been talked about as an addition from the Parramatta Eels. And Tarek Sims joining the club next year. They've got a young guy waiting in the wings like Jack Howarth as well. I think the Storm long-term are going to be okay, but I can understand some of the hysteria around their form. Now, as far as talking points, a major danger game for the Storm. Rabbitohs, you just know that they're going to be up for this. Defense is going to be the key, though. The media, as I said just before as well, I think they are overselling the Storm thing. They always target the Storm around finals. They do. They do. Like, they truly do, and you can't deny that. Every time it's finals, there's a 25 reasons to hate the storm, or the wrestling, a new, this new wrestling technique is destroying the game. There's, there's always something. 
And this time around, they see a little bit of weakness and they're going really hard for that. But they don't know what they're doing. You're just, you're just giving them extra motivation. Now, there is also plenty of motivation in terms of this game, given that there are only two points between fourth and seventh. So if the Rabbitohs win here, they'll be on equal points with the Melbourne Storm. And this top eight race, or top four rather, will be blowing wide open. So this is a major, major game of the round. We see that Damian Cook, Cameron Murray, they both return for the Rabbitohs, and they've got Latrell back on deck. Full strength South Sydney, basically, and Jed Cartwright into the centres for Tane Milne. I'm a really big fan of Jed Cartwright. He was a Penrith Panthers junior, and Rabbitohs brought him over for a reason. He's a quality player, so Jed Cartwright into the centres for the Rabbitohs. For the Melbourne Storm, Ryan Pappenhausen out. Absolutely devastating. We see Nick Meaney named at fullback and Tyron Wishart on the wing, which I found really interesting. He's mainly a, like a half, 5'8", halfback, dummy half. Can play fullback, we've seen that. And he actually played prop for the Sunshine Coast Falcons in the Queensland Cup earlier this year. This guy's the ultimate utility. So they've named Tyron Wishart on the wing. Curious to see whether they go with that. They've got Grant Anderson on the bench, who I thought he was going to be injured for longer. Um, maybe they go Tyron Wishart back to the bench, and they've got someone like young Tonamapia, who I believe they'll bring into the game day squad. Um, but yeah, if Tyron Wishart plays on the wing, that'll be very, very interesting. It's a 50-50 game, but I'm going to go the Melbourne Storm. And this is the Rabbitohs' chance to convince me. I'm sure they'll be talking about that in the sheds, uh, how I'm not convinced and they've got to change my mind. But yeah, if they win against the Storm, then yeah, I'm convinced. But defensively, they've left a lot to be desired. And the Melbourne Storm, I'm not as on board with this whole media thing of like they're about to fall off or they are falling off. I don't think they're going to win the Premiership this year. I actually didn't really think that at the start of the year either. I just... There were a couple of things I saw last year amidst their awesome run where I was like, I, I don't know. I think they can be beaten. But I'm going to go the Melbourne Storm in this one. I think finals around the corner. It is the final third of the season. They're going to need to start working out exactly what their team's going to look like. It's time for Melbourne Storm to make their charge. And the best way to do that is to hold their spot in the top four. Big, big game this weekend, taking the Melbourne Storm over the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Now let's get on to our Sunday action. Alright, a little bit more rapid for the Sunday action, given the games. One, I don't really know how it's going to go, the one I'm about to jump into. The other one, I think I have a pretty clear idea. So these ones are going to be pretty rapid. First of all, we've got the Bulldogs hosting the Titans both down toward the bottom of the ladder. Although Bulldogs, funnily enough, they're starting to show signs of a positive future a little bit quicker than the Titans, which at the start of this year, I don't think that seemed to be the case, especially after the sacking or the resignation of Trent Barrett. You have Justin Holbrook, who faces a similar kind of future to Trent Barrett, although the Gold Coast Titans have come out and backed Holbrook. I back Justin Holbrook as well. I don't know who the Titans are going to get, like maybe Paul Green or something. But honestly, like I think Justin Holbrook, I think Justin Holbrook can do it. I think he can turn this club around. But if they lose to the Bulldogs, like it's at the point where he could get sacked if they lose to the Bulldogs here. So very shaky territory. It was a similar case last weekend against the Broncos where they held their own. They, that was the best showing they've had. Um, but yeah, shocking results overall for the Titans. Seven straight losses. They are in wooden spoon contention. They're mainly battling the Tigers at this point. And yeah, it's just become an absolute shit show. Whereas the Dogs under Mick Potter and potentially Cameron Seraldo, that is the strong word going around, is that Cameron Seraldo is going to coach them. That That's a massive game changer. Dogs, a couple of years away, like... It, it's not going to have like a huge effect where he turns them straight around next year, I don't think. And I've heard Phil Gould and other people at the Dogs kind of talk about 2024. That's the year that everything's going to really start falling into place. 
So they've got Cameron Seraldo potentially coming in, and they've got some really good players as well. So Canterbury, they're showing plenty of improvement. Titans showed some improvement with some changes against the Bulldogs, or against the Broncos, rather. But still, seven straight losses. They are right in amongst the wooden spoon chat. You've got the David Fafita situation. Some people say, let him go, get the money off your books. I think if you're going to have to pay bits of his contract anyway, the good teams, you should you should find a way to use him. If you send him somewhere else, like to the Dolphins, to Wayne Bennett, it, they'll, it'll make you look so silly. It'll make you look silly because Wayne Bennett will get the best out of him. And then you'll be like, fuck, why did we let David Fafita go? Also, Jaden Campbell back on the bench for the Titans. Good to see. I'm a huge Jaden Campbell fan. I liked the mix-up last weekend for the Titans as well. Aaron Booth starting in the number nine. And Aaron Clark, who I have been critical of at times throughout the season, he actually had his best game of the season coming off the bench. So Aaron Booth, Aaron Clark, that's a combination I really like. And I'm interested as to how the Titans halves go here. Tana Boyd and Toby Sexton up against Kyle Flanagan and Matt Burton. So the young Titans halves, it's going to be a big ask for them, especially given the pressure around probably knowing if you lose this, your coach is going to get fired. So grim times at the Titans in 2022. Kieran Foran, one big reason for the Titans dilemmas was not having an experienced halfback and letting Jamal Fogarty go allegedly passing on an offer to get Mitchell Pierce as well. Then they get Kieran Foran to kind of alleviate that and fix an obvious area of weakness. And there's talk that Kieran Foran may stay at Manly. So that's a watch this space. I don't want to get too speculative, so I'll leave that until it, if it actually happens, and then I'll go into that in depth. Now, as far as this game, Titans and Bulldogs... My key battle, Tino Fasuma Malawi and Tavita Pungai Jr. That is going to be a fiery battle. We know there's beef from the Tino Matt Burton thing as well, which leads me to my most valuable player. That is the man I just mentioned in Matt Burton. He's the guy for the dogs. You know, if you support a team, you know, every team has the guy. Well, not every team. I don't know if the Warriors right now have the guy. But the dogs do. You know, it's like, okay, this guy, this guy, for like at least 10 years, let's build around this guy. Matt Burton is that guy for the dogs. He is killing it too. He is paid unders as well. Like, he's absolutely killing it. And yeah, Matt Burton, definitely going to get a contract extension. Although I do think he's going to stay at the Bulldogs. My point of difference in this one, David Fafita. If he can get firing, I think the Titans can cause the Bulldogs all sorts of issues. Going to be a tough ask, but I'm backing David Fafita in here. I'm going to say he has a big game, maybe scores a try. And for that reason, I'm going to go with the Gold Coast Titans. Very reluctantly, because if Holbrook, I don't know if like, maybe lost the dressing room isn't the right word, but if they're not game for the NRL under Justin Holbrook, then maybe this is it. Maybe this is where they lose and the Titans pull the pin. But I have faith in Justin Holbrook and I have faith in the Titans. So they've been the biggest underachievers of this year. Dogs, they're starting to play the better football, but in a shit the bed kind of game like this, that's what leads me to my like reverse psychology kind of pick. It's like, okay, dogs favorites in this one. Neither side, very trustworthy at this point. Although dogs showing better signs, Titans having potential that they haven't been showing. So I'm going to go a bit of reverse psychology. Going to take the Gold Coast Titans over the Canterbury Bulldogs. And with that being said, now it's time for the most rapid of picks. We have the Cowboys with all of their Origin stars returning up against a West Tigers side sitting at the foot of the ladder. I predicted Tigers to come last preseason. I predicted Cowboys to come second to last. And they are currently in the top two. So, I mean, it's just phenomenal. Just phenomenal what the Cowboys are doing. Tigers about exactly where I expected them to be. That's what makes this an easy pick for me. And I'm sure many people, if Tigers win, hey, I'll talk about it on NRL Power. I'll give them the credit. But this one, Cowboys, 
North Queensland Cowboys, no doubt, over the West Tigers. I think that's a pretty straightforward one. So with that being said, that was the Sunday action. That was the NRL as a whole. And to finish us off, what I'll do is I'll just repeat the tips in case you missed any. I had the Eels beating the Broncos on Friday night, or Thursday night rather. I was actually wrong about that one as well. Broncos won, but I'll get into that on the NRL Power Podcast. Dragons up against the Seagulls. I've gone for the Seagulls. Knights and Roosters, I'm taking Roosters. I've got Raiders over the Warriors. Panthers over Sharks. Melbourne Storm to beat the Rabbitohs, but very unsure and curious to see how that one goes. Titans over the Bulldogs in a bit of reverse psychology. And to cap it off, I've got the North Queensland Cowboys defeating the Tigers. I just can't see an upset in that one. And I'm a believer in what North Queensland can do. So now that I've done my picks, it is time to actually get into the action. I cannot wait. Going to be a great weekend of footy. Specifically keen for Storm Rabbitohs. Very, very keen as well for the game of the round. Panthers hosting the Sharks. But until the NRL Power podcast that weekend, that weekend, this weekend, that is all from me. I think it's a good time. It's a good time for me to go. So NRL Power podcast this weekend will be coming out either Sunday or Monday with a review on all of the games. Those are my picks for this weekend. And now there's only one thing left to do. That is sit down and enjoy a great weekend of footy. So until the NRL Power Podcast, take care.